Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Grab a seat. I, I do love the simplicity and the words of that song, you know, and what it means. Just decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, uh, and so I want to welcome you here today. If we've not met, my name is Dean, while well, the pastor's here. And, and we're just going to reflect a little bit more on really what that looks like uh, today. Uh, you know, I have this experience with some uh, sort of regularity in my life. And I, I meet someone who uh, doesn't normally go to church, and I, I meet them, and they find out I'm a pastor. And I, I hear a pretty cons- a common phrase. Heard it again. It was just this last week or the week before. And I'll, I'll say to someone something like, uh, they find out what I do. Oh, I'm a pastor. And, and they'll immediately, it's almost like they see, sort of feel guilty. Uh, and, and they're like, and so I say to them, you should. And um, just kidding. I don't. I don't. God. And um, so, but, but they'll say, oh, look, yeah, look, I don't go to church, but, uh, but I'm living a Christian life. That's what I'm doing. Or I'm trying to live, and they'll say some variation of, the, they might even say, I don't, I don't, and I don't believe in any of those things. But, uh, but I'm living out what, what Jesus said we should do. And they'll say, I'm, I, you know, I'm living out what Jesus taught. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm living out, and often the word will be something like values or principles or uh, teaching. And, uh, and, I, and so I meet people, and they often, that's, that's kind of the response. Like, yeah, no, oh, yeah, great, your pastor, look, I, that's not for me. I don't go to church or anything like that. But I'm living out what Jesus taught. And I always want to find some gentle way to kind of say to them, really, how's that going for you? <laughs> you know, which parts are you living out? And that's, you know, Going, going so well for you? Is the part where he said, be perfect? Is your heavenly father's perfect? Is it uh, the part where he said, why don't you take up your cross and, and, you know, an instrument of death and die to yourself and follow me every day or, you know, maybe go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and then come, you know, which part is working out so well for you? And, um, and, I, and I don't say it like that. And because I, my point is not to be harsh, but because what I I feel myself say, it's like, wow, how is that working? Because I'm not doing, I don't find that an easy thing to do, to just live and follow what Jesus is doing. And if I thought that what it meant to be a Christian, if you will, was to just do what Jesus told me, I think I'd feel kind of defeated before I even began. But I know what they're saying, and so that's why I'm also not, I try not to be a total jerk in those moments. And, and I, honestly, I'm not, because I do, I know what they're saying. And I know what they're saying is like, you know what, I, I, I know I, you know, a church is not for me. I don't believe in God, but I do know I want to live a, a good life. I want my life to be something. And, and, and what we're going to talk about today is, I guess, around this whole idea of what a spiritual life looks like. Because here's the thing. Jesus has invited us into something that goes so much bigger and broader than just kind of doing what he said. He invites us into a life that kind of is just totally different than than any other kind of life. It's not just like, yep, I was going through life, and then these were some good ideas and teachings, and I thought I'd incorporate them and try to do them. Jesus invites us to a totally different kind of life, a whole different way of being. And it's what we're going to call a spiritual life. Now, here's the thing about a spiritual life. Some people, it's kind of unfashionable today, you know, a lot of people will also say, well, I'm not a religious person, but I am spiritual. That's a, a phrase that's kind of got a lot more currency, a lot more, yep, that works for people. And so some people, but it's like, what, what does that actually mean? What does that look like? Is it just, what, what, how do you, what does that actually look like in a person's life? Now, in a church, even, there'd be others as well who go, a spiritual life. Now, what, you know, I've known some people who are spiritual, and they're they're really spiritual, and you may say to yourself, I just don't think I could be like them. I can't talk like them. 
You know, I saw a guy on TV. I can't dress like him. You know, I, what, what does it really mean? And so the, 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 the thing I love about the passage of Scripture we're looking at today is it's going to help us to wrap our minds around what does a real spiritual life look like? You know, why is this so different than just kind of, here are some teachings over there that I can read and do something about. And it's so different than just kind of like, oh, now I, I, I think I, I have to talk or think or, or look a certain. It's actually just a different way of living that, that is qualitatively different than any other. Paul, uh, in 1 Corinthians, this is a part of the scriptures we're in right now. He's writing a letter to this church they lived in. If you hear in the beginning, a, a, a city is a metropolis, kind of a, a, a combo in their day of like a New York, an L.A., and a Vegas all rolled into one. It's this huge place. Image and, and status and elitism are kind of a big deal where they were. And Paul is writing this letter to the church to help them see, here's what the different kind of life looks like where you find yourself. And in chapter 2, he's going to write about what a real, in lots of ways, spiritual life looks like. He's writing this letter and he says, and, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters. He says, when I came to you, he's writing a letter, but he had been there. He'd been there in person. He'd, he'd spoke there. And he says, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Now I want to pause for a moment. The thing he's going to say here is, you know, I was there, I was preaching, I was speaking, I, you know. And, and when I came, though, I didn't come, he says, with eloquence or speaking. Excellent speech is another way this gets translated. He's like, I didn't come with a bunch of fancy words and speaking. And I didn't come with human wisdom. That is, I didn't just come with what kind of makes sense by the, the ways of this world. I didn't come with just kind of here's some good ideas and principles for your life. The thing you got to know about Corinth, so again, it's kind of one of those, it's a big city place. And they've got their own, just like we've got our own visions and images of what it looks like to be kind of at the top, to have some status, to be, uh, you know, they had their versions of that. And one of the things that was a big deal to them was, was wisdom. This is ancient Greek culture. You think about kind of ancient Greek culture and your Socrates and Plato. These guys love philosophy. They love wisdom. They love debating. They love all these things. And the better you were at speaking, the more eloquent and persuasive you were. And the more kind of wise you were in your thinking, kind of the bigger deal that you were. This is, takes a minute for us to translate because it's not really, we don't sort of value, uh, you know, sort of eloquent speaking. We don't value sort of, you know, do we have like, you know, great rhetorical, you know, sort of flourishes in, in a certain way of doing it. We, we, we value kind of brevity. You know, if we we're like, oh, there's a great speaker coming to town, the, the thing people would be like, you know, let me check out his social media profile and that'll give me an image of what he's like. You know, what's, is he tweetable? Is, is she tweetable? Is there, you know, can I take one image and put it on? You know, we value kind of just different things. But you got to understand, just like we would have all these things that we look at and say, this makes a person sort of good at what they do or not good at what they do. They had the same kind of deal going. And they said, if you're really good and fancy with your words, that must mean you've, you've got it. And Paul says, I'm not worried about kind of what you think makes me good or not good. He says, for I resolved, he said, that's not what I came with. I didn't come with all the things you guys prize. He says in verse 2, he says, I resolved, made up my mind to know nothing while I was with you. I wasn't going to kind of show off. I wasn't going to try and be a big shot. I wanted one thing only, and that was to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, this is the focus of my life. I want to know Christ and him crucified. 
you value status, elite, and who's on top, Jesus Christ crucified is a total antithesis of that. It's, it's Jesus, you know, actually sacrificially going to his own death. That's totally opposite of trying to get to the top the way they normally thought of him. And so he says, that's all I want to do is I want to know Christ, him crucified. He says, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. You want a speaker who's going to stand up and proclaim and kind of have fancy words. He said, I just came in weakness and fear and trembling. Opposites of everything they valued. He's like, I, I wasn't all those things. And he says, for that reason, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. All the stuff they valued and loved. He's like, my message, it wasn't going to win an award. You weren't going to lift it up and be like, that was a great talk someone gave. He said, no, no, no. On the contrary, I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. The Spirit's power. What was important it was not image, how it looked. All the human performance things. He says, you know what I came with? I came to show you that God is alive. I'm going to demonstrate the power of the Spirit that is far greater than any other power that they had ever known. He says he did that for one reason, so their faith might not rest on human wisdom, that which we conceive, that which we kind of wrap our own minds around. He says, I want your faith to be based not on all the different things. I want it to be based on one thing, on God's power. Can I tell you something about a spiritual life? It is to say, what does it look like to live a life that is no longer limited to your own kind of human capacity? But actually, what does it look like to live a life that, that the power of the Spirit comes into your life in such a way that things become possible that are not possible in human terms? Paul says, I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You know how he knew that the, the Spirit was at work, that the power of the Spirit had been at work? Think about this. Once upon a time in Corinth, in this city, New York, L.A., Vegas, no one knew Christ. He came, he spoke, it didn't have all the bells and whistles, it wasn't everything that they looked for in a speaker, but the Spirit of God convicted hearts and changed lives, and they came to faith in Christ. The first time believers in this part of the world, you know, in that city, they, he's like, you know what's, what's power is to have a heart and a life that's changed by God. And no one comes to faith in Christ. And no one begins to turn from their old ways and choose to follow Jesus except by this one thing, the work of the Spirit within. The Spirit's power. He says, look, I, I'm, I'm not, Paul was just so keenly aware of his own limitations. He's so keenly aware there was nothing he could do to change a person's heart, to change a person's life. He said, so I didn't bother trying to be some great speaker and show you how great I am. He says, I want to know Christ crucified. I'm weak. I'm trembling. But in God is going to work through my weakness. And he's going to do something in people's lives. This is actually what a spiritual life looks like. It's to actually allow ourselves to kind of get out of the way so that the work of the Spirit can go forward in our lives. It's not what the world always values, but it's actually a, a whole different way of being. You know what's amazing about Paul? He writes a, another letter to this same church, 2 Corinthians it's called. And in that letter he says in it, I know what you guys kind of say about me when I'm not around. He says, I know what you say. You say, oh, Paul, he's really strong. He's really, his letters are so weighty. Such a, you know, you read his letters and it feel like this guy's really, you know, tough guy. But actually when he's in person, it's not, he's not that impressive. He's not that great a speaker. See, he actually knew the thing we begin to gather and you understand about Paul is that actually preaching, speaking was not his great gift. What you see in hindsight was that writing was his great gift. 
But despite the fact that it was not his gift, despite the fact he came in weakness and trembling and fear and it was not his deal, the Spirit of God worked through him nevertheless and changed people's lives. Can I tell you something? Why would we ever settle for a life of just trying to go, yeah, I'm just going to do some good things and I think Jesus told me I'll just try to do this when we're invited into a life where God's Spirit empowers us to see things happen that could never happen apart from his work within us. Our weaknesses, our strengths, he invites us into a life that goes way beyond what's possible on our own. You know, Paul continues to write, and he says, uh, picking it up in the, the next verses here, I think in verse 6 we'll, we'll, we'll drop in. He says, look, I know I didn't always speak what, what, you know, you guys would consider wise and persuasive, but he says, but we do speak a a message of wisdom among the mature for the people who can grab hold of this. We do. I, he's like, I'm not just trying to talk nonsense and then dress it up. He says, we do speak a, a message of wisdom among the church. It's just not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. And he says, both those, the wisdom of this age and the rulers of this age, they're coming to nothing. You know what he's saying? To a place that valued elitism, status, image, all these things. He says, all that, guess what? It's not going to amount to anything. All the posing, all the posturing, all the image management, all the trying to be the person who's up there and going to speak the best and the best words. Paul says all that. And the rulers of the stage, the people who are in charge, the people, uh, you know, who are normally be thought of, hey, they're in power. Those are the spots you want to get to. Nobody wants to be on the bottom. You want to be on top. You want to be the rulers. Paul says all that. Guess what? It's coming to nothing. Seems great right now, but trust me, it's coming to nothing. He says instead, so he's like, that's why we don't, I'm not speaking. He says, no, we declare God's wisdom. It's a mystery that's been hidden, that God destined for our glory before time began. He says, there's all these things the world values and looks at. Guess what? God had a plan that he put into purpose before time itself began. He says, that's what I talk about. Paul, he literally said, that's what I'm talking about. And he said, I'm just kidding, he didn't say it like that. Um, he said it in Greek. And, um, but he did say, that's what, that's what I'm on about. I'm not trying to talk about the things of how it normally operates. Well, I'm declaring what God purposed before time began. He says, no one, none of the rulers of this age, all the people in charge, all the people with all the power, they didn't get it. If they had, he says, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. He's talking to people who were so in charge. They actually crucified Jesus. They wouldn't have done that if they understood what was happening here. He says, no. He goes on in verse 7, uh, or verse 9, rather, and he says, however, as it is written. He says, so, so nobody got to, he said, but it's written. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind could even conceive. He says, no one can even imagine the things God has prepared for those who love him. Do you know what begins to, you know what makes a spiritual life different than any other kind of life? Because you begin to say, you know what, there are the things that God has in store. The things that God has in mind. The things of his kingdom are actually so great, we cannot even imagine them. They are so much better than all the things the world is chasing after. And trying to get to the top. They're better than trying to have your image all sorted out. They're better than, than trying to be in charge. The things, in fact, they are so amazing, the things that God has for us. No human mind can even imagine them. To have a spiritual life is to have your values entirely reset. 
It's to begin to look at everything from a different perspective and a different value. And to say, you know what, the things of God are so much more valuable than we can even imagine. And you know what Paul says? And he says those things, the greatness of the things of God, the things that he has in store, the things that he purposed before time even began. He said, those are the things. We can't imagine them, but guess what? He has revealed to us by his spirit. That to have a spiritual life is to allow God to begin to reveal to you. We can't conceive it. We can't conceptualize it. We could have never imagined it. But to live a life empowered by the Spirit is to begin to allow God to reveal things to you that you could have never otherwise grasped or even imagined. So great is what it looks like to live the spiritual life that Paul's describing. In fact, he's going to unpack. And you know why? Because this is how it works. Paul says this is how it works. And what he's going to do, he's going to compare what life is like with the Spirit and without the Spirit. And he says these words picking up in verse 10. He says, I want you to understand this. He says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, this is the Spirit of God that Jesus has given to all his followers. He says, the Spirit searches all things. Spirit knows everything, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now that, imagine this. This is a little bit what Paul's trying to get at. Here's, here's how it works with the Spirit of God that Paul's saying we're given. All of us have a spirit. Paul says, you know, who knows a person's thoughts? Only your own spirit. Do you know every one of us, you have an interior you. You have a spirit within you, the interior side of you that is you, the deepest part of who you are. Now, right now, every one of you, you, your spirit within you, you have thoughts right now. You're thinking things. You're having a whole conversation. You're having a whole dialogue that's going on right now. You know, I, I, some of you are like, you're just thinking, you know, what's for lunch? You know? <laughs> some of you are like just sitting there going, you know, Dean might be the best preacher I've ever heard. And you're struggling. <laughs> Look, I'm just telling you, I, I know, it's an interior conversation's happening. And I know, and, and you know, and others, and, and some of you, you drift in and out. Some of you are like you're engaged with this. You're wrestling with the text or you're wrestling with something that you felt God kind of maybe nudging you on. There's a whole inner you that is taking place. There's an inner you that makes plans. There's an inner you that feels, that thinks. And here's the, the thing, what this verse is getting at is right now, all of you are having that right now. So some of you right now, you're going, I can't believe he would even say that he's my favorite preacher. He's not even close, you know. He's, it goes, Michelle, Phil, Dean. No, it's just, no, just kidding. <laughs> now some of you are like, how does he know what I'm thinking, you know. But here's the thing. Whatever you're thinking right now, I will not know what it is unless you choose to reveal it to me. I cannot somehow, you know, just know what you're thinking. I can't. Best I could do would be to guess, but guess what? If you choose, you could actually reveal to me, and you would actually then begin to speak to me. You would say to me, actually, Dean, this is what I'm thinking right now. This is what's going on in my head right now. But unless you choose to reveal to me what you're saying, I'll never know it. Now, and, and right now, the only way you know what I say is because what I'm thinking is because I'm choosing to reveal. I'm choosing to speak to you. We're getting, you know, you begin to engage in a conversation do you know what this picture is? It's telling us, you know, this is what the Spirit of God is like. God, he is spirit. He has an interior being. And, that, and, and his knows, the Spirit knows the thoughts of God. 
But check this out. He says, and guess what? What we have received, now what we have been given, he says, we've not been given the spirit of the world. It's not just kind of, well, we kind of know and understand the world and the things as we know them and see them through our eyes. He says, no, we've actually received the spirit who is from God. We've been given the gift of the spirit of God. Every follower of Christ has received it. Received it. It's not achieved. It's not earned. It's not, yeah, maybe you, got, you, you received it when you're in Christ. And he says, and we've been given it so we may understand what God has freely given us. We've received the spirit so that he can reveal his thoughts to us. So that we can now begin to understand the things of God. Those unimaginably great things we begin to have an understanding of, Paul says, because he's revealed them to us by his spirit. We've been received the spirits. So we can understand what God's freely given us. He says, and this is what we speak. So Paul says, now, so whenever I stand up to talk, I'm not trying to just think about wisdom. I'm not just trying to think how convincing can this be. He says, now, I speak in words not taught by human wisdom, but in words that were taught by the spirit. I'm speaking to you, he says, what God has spoken to me. He says, and we, we explain spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Now, I just want to pause on this for a moment, and I just want you to realize this is the power of the picture Paul is painting. That we as followers of Christ, a spiritual life is to be invited into a life where you are in that conversation with God. Where he, his spirit that knows the deep thoughts of God has been given to you, follower of Christ. And he is going to reveal to you the things of God. He is going to start that conversation. He's going to take the thoughts of God and he wants to help you understand them. He wants you to understand, you know, just think about this reality. This, you know, who would ever want to settle for a life of just, I got some good ideas from Jesus and I should probably try and live this out. When we are invited into conversation with God, his spirit to ours. What a picture. God revealing things, explaining things, helping us understand that which makes no sense to the world. You know, he goes on in verse 14. And he says, this is the kind of difference. This is how it ends up working out. He says, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. You know what he's saying? Without the spirit of God revealing to you, you know, who God is and how all these things work and, and the mysteries and, and who God is. If you don't have the spirit, it's just going to feel like foolishness. The idea, crucified savior. You know, this all just, you know, that, that you could find your life by losing it. All these things, they'll just feel like foolishness unless you have the spirit that's explaining it to you. And so without the Spirit, it's all just foolishness. And you cannot understand those things because they are discerned only through the Spirit. It only makes sense when you actually have God's Spirit operating in, within you. And he says the person with the Spirit, so he's contrasting here. So there's the person without. And really a lot of the things of God are just going to seem like foolishness if you don't have the Spirit of God who's helping you understand this. He says, but the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. They understand all things. They, they can get both the seen world and beginning to understand the, the unseen world. He says, because such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. They don't just kind of experience the world based on what you could see, feel, touch with your hands. They're actually, uh, and it says, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. He's like, none of us could ever know the thoughts of God and tell God what's for. He says, but instead we have the mind of Christ. But we have, listen to those words, we have 
the mind of Christ. Because he's given us his spirit, and the spirit knows the thoughts of God, and is, loves to begin to reveal those things to us, help us understand them. We have the mind of Christ. We begin to no longer see this world just as that which we can touch with our hands and, and feel and see. We actually begin to understand there is an unseen reality. There is a, a God who purposed things for our lives before creation even began. We begin to have the mind of Christ. Christ's thoughts. He begins to share with us and teach us and instruct us. And You know, the, 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 the picture of these verses is this, this is the life we're invited into. That we have been given the spirit of Christ. God longs to be in conversation with us. You know, we were singing that song earlier that talks about, you know, I, I am who you say I am. I'm, you know, I'm chosen. I'm not forsaken. You know, God is for me, not against me. Do you know, I'm, probably for some, uh, for some of us at various points in our lives, those have been hard words to understand that God could love us, that God could be for us. We might find ourselves thinking, but man, with all I've done, how could God ever be for me? It won't make sense. It feels like foolishness to the world. But the Spirit of God wants to reveal to us, no, God is for you. And that's not something you can just learn in a book. It's something he reveals his spirit to yours, this incredible conversation and communion of the Spirit of God with your human spirit. He wants to teach us things, show us things. And it looks like foolishness in the world's eyes. So often. The spiritual life, just know it will look like foolishness when, to the kind of surface eye view. My wife, Lisa, she turns 40 years young tomorrow. It's amazing, I know. I, I, it's kind of hard to believe, and it's such a cool milestone. It's a chance to stop, to look back, you know, to sort of reflect on, on your own life and you know, where God's taking you, what he's done in your life. One of the things I, I, I just love and appreciate about her is she's someone who's always sought to not kind of just live by what seems wise in the world's perspective. One of my favorite moments early on, just before we got married, I was living in New York. She'd moved out there. We were engaged. She was looking for a, a job. And uh, she got offered a teaching position. She's a, a high school math teacher at the time. And so she... Uh, she offered this job in just like one of the best schools in the whole area. It was sort of like if you were like, hey, where would be like the best school you could get a job in? Just that was it, this town called Clarkstown. And they offered her a job. And, and she got offered this job. And she was like, yeah, but I, I was like, this is great. This is amazing. Talk about, you know, provision from God. From the world's perspective, that's all I could see. And she was like, but I think God's actually saying, no, he doesn't want me to take this job. He wants me to teach in New York City. I was like, no, I think God's saying he wants you to take this job. And I think... <laughs> Um, that's great, but I'm, I'm just confident in these things. And I'm studying to be a pastor, so I think uh, maybe you want to listen to that. And um, praise God, she didn't. And she was like, no, I think God's saying he doesn't want me to take this job. And she didn't have another one lined up. She had two days to decide, and she said, no, nah, I'm turning it down. Didn't even have anything, kind of fall back or whatever. Like, well, this is real wise, great wisdom here. And she's like, no, I think God wants me to go to the city. She ended up 
through a series of incredible circumstances, took this job teaching in the Bronx in New York City. It's where she felt God calling. You know, the Bronx is, you know, that place represented like the most ideal, the most picture perfect, all those things. The Bronx represented perhaps the opposite. You know, the, the, the city block where her school was, she wasn't, there were two schools on the same block. The other school was one of the two most dangerous schools in all of New York City at the time. And New York City has a few dangerous schools in it. So just perspective. So she takes a job in the Bronx that's the opposite. The other one represented security, represented comfort, represented a, good, a better income. All the things that would be wise by the world's eyes, it represented. And she said, but I think God is saying do this, and she did that. One of my favorite moments in that time, and I was like, man, this is crazy, and I'm, I'm engaged to a crazy woman, and just, <laughs> boy. And, um, and, and we were in this little insurance agency and and we were buying car insurance we're in this little like mom and pop car insurance agency getting things sorted out for a car and this couple was a mom and pop shop and and, do you know the show Seinfeld do you remember Seinfeld some people remember that if you can picture for a moment George Costanza's parents okay Frank and uh you know and they they just so it was like George Costanza's parents just exactly the accent they're identical the age all of it you know and and she's talking to, to, the, to the wife, and she was like, so what are you doing? And this kind of thing. And, and she's like, oh, I'm, uh, I, I've got a job, and, and I'm going to be teaching in the Bronx. And she goes, oh, could you not get anything else? I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, she, and Lisa was like, no, actually, I got offered a job at, at Clarkstown, the name of that school. And, and her jaw about hit the floor. And she literally, she was like, you turned down a job in Clarkstown? And she was so shocked. She literally, I mean, it was just almost bizarre. It was like we were in this little room, and the way the place is kind of a funny little setup. It's like it had a waiting room and, and, and sort of like a front office. She literally gets up, opens the door, goes to the waiting room, and announces, there's a lady in here who turned down a job in Clarkstown to go to the Bronx. And she just yells it. I mean, like, all these people probably just sitting there like, what? Like, this is how shocked this woman was at my wife's decision. And I was like, do you see? <laughs> do you see? <laughs> Here's the thing. What is wisdom from God's perspective is absolute foolishness in the eyes of the world. It was foolishness to me. Why? Because I wasn't listening to the Spirit of God. It was foolishness to everybody in that room. It was so shocking. Literally, a woman got up to announce to people the ridiculousness of what this crazy girl was doing. Foolishness in the eyes of the world. But Christ, the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God. Paul is helping these people see. When you have the spirit of God, it knows the thoughts of God. It knows not how... We, we see how things look from our eyes. But guess what Paul says? You have been given, you've received the spirit of God who knows the deep thoughts of God, who sees farther than you see, who knows what you don't know. And he says you can have the mind of Christ. Can I just tell you something? Why would any of us settle for a boring life of what looks kind of like wisdom in the world's eyes when we are invited to allow the spirit of God to commune with our spirit and reveal to us the thoughts of God? Take us places we would never go on our own. And it's not just about the kind of spirit, where should I go, what should I do? It it all comes out of spirit, who do you say I am? 
Spirit, from my perspective, it all feels like foolishness. And I can't even feel like I can believe this. Spirit, who do you say I am? Help me know. God's thoughts, what are his thoughts? Paul says elsewhere, the spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are his children. That's one of the primary things the spirit wants to say to us, to help us wrap our minds around that. This whole picture in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it's this picture of what does it look like to live, to live the spirit life. It's not, it's not kind of about sort of, you know, it's definitely not about just sort of, yeah, spiritual life, I'm going to dryly just follow us out of this or that. It's about letting God bring those things to life. And it's not about kind of some sort of, yeah, I've got to look a certain way or talk a certain way or dress or any of that. No, it's about you've been given, follower of Christ. You've received the spirit of God, knows the deep thoughts of God and reveals them to us so that we can understand them. Wow. That's what the spiritual life is all about. The key is, this is kind of that simple, that the key to a spiritual life, it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and just understanding that we've been given it and going, I don't want to just see what I can see. I want God to reveal his thoughts to me. I could never know it on my own. We can't kind of, God, I figure, we can't build a ladder high enough, tall enough. We can't get a, a, a phone that's going to call him. But he chooses to reveal. He reaches out to us. You know, I want to encourage you. It, it, to, all of us, we, we come at this in, in different kind of stages and places in our journey and, and moments where maybe we felt like we were walking right in step with the Spirit or moments where we felt like we could hear Him loud and clear and seasons where it feels more challenging or, or, hey, I'm on the front end of this. I've never even thought about these things. What would that even look like or what would that mean? We all come from different places, but can I encourage you to, as you as you are a person who is seeking after God, to just to believe and, and know that he's actually given you a spirit and to begin to create the space in your own interior life. To say, I want to hear your voice above all the noise and clutter. Above all the things that look like wisdom from the world's perspective or foolishness from the world's perspective. Lord, would you help me to hear your thoughts? Would you help me to see things from your perspective? Imagine that kind of life. Imagine what we're invited into. You know, I'm going to invite you to stand up. And uh, I want to pray for us. And, and maybe you're a person who, who maybe today you just go, you know what, I, I want to take another step in this. I want, to, I want to go a little bit further. I want to just kind of, I want to renew that kind of focus in my life. I just want to say, Lord, I, I want to hear your voice above others. I'd love to just pray for you. In fact, you can just bow your head. Just We're going to close our eyes. We're going to take a moment. And I want to. And let's even just kind of believe for a moment just that his, his spirit is right here wanting to reveal things and bring understanding and clarity to different things. And maybe just take a moment and just be still before him. And, and maybe you kind of go, what is that going to sound? Just sometimes just about creating a space to say, Lord, I just want to quiet some of the other noise and just begin to make room. And so why don't you just take a moment, just be quiet. Just kind of allow some of the other voices to, to die down and just say, Lord, I, in the quiet of your own heart, to maybe just say to him, Lord, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, want, I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to live into what it looks like to have the mind of Christ. I want you to reveal to me the things of your kingdom, those good things you have for my life.
Lord, we know that whenever we gather, you are right here in our midst. Your spirit's here. We thank you for the, the grace that is. We thank you for the gift that is. And Lord, I just want to pray for each one of us today. I want to pray and ask that, Lord, the other voices and thoughts and wisdom of this world in our lives would become quieter and quieter. And that the voice of your spirit would grow louder and louder. That, Lord, in, in each one of our lives, we would begin to to both hear your voice and allow you to do that which you desire and purpose within us. That you'd be leading us further and further into the good and unimaginable things that you have for each one of our lives. That Lord, where there is the noise all around us, we would look so different in this world, not because we're playing by the same rules, but because our lives are a reflection of this, the Spirit's power Spirit's wisdom. I ask you to increase each of our capacity wherever we find ourselves today to hear you as you reveal your thoughts to us. I ask it in Jesus' name. We're going to sing for a moment and we're going to sing this song, I Am Who You Say I Am. I'm just going to sing part of this, but can I, can I tell you something? I'm always convinced it's one of the the biggest things, if God could speak anything to us, so much of what he just wants us to hear and know, the whole scriptures lay it out for us, that we are his beloved. We are his children. He's made provision. He purposed a plan to bring us back to himself before time began. Let's sing it, but let's not just sing it. Can I encourage you in the interior of your life to allow him to whisper some truth to you this morning. Let's sing that together.